Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Today, you are joined by not Lyle and Mon, oh. not Lyle and Lawson, not even Lyle and Gemma, but the Lyle and Darren show. Darren, how are you? Yeah, awesome to be here. The sun's coming up outside. It's going to be an awesome, Woo! awesome day. Man, so Stoked. Of course, I didn't say, usually when I do the intro, I say 87.6, 87.8, 88, or the internet. But I didn't say the internet because this is the introduction for the delayed broadcast. Oh, these are those that aren't on the live show. They aren't on the live show. But how can you get, like, surely they can find a way to be live. Yes, so the way to be live is to move into the 21st century. Ah. And you know how you do that? By a car, no? Well... Cars existed in the 20s. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. So what you do is is in, you know, there's this new innovation. It's called digital radio. Ah. And so what you want to do is you want to get your phone and go to faithfm.com.au. If you want to listen to the live show and, and you just go to the top right-hand corner, you, kick, you click play and bam, you've got radio. Where they're live. Not... Not just all around Australia, but all around the world. In fact, Lyle and Mon have been listening to us from Africa. Shell, one of our producers, is in America. She's been listening to us from the States. So, hey, wherever you are in the world. So, they'll you find us where we're going wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oi, what are you doing? Do that like, better. Why yeah. are you ruining the show? But, yeah, you, there are so many ways which you can get on the live show. There's also, you, you know, you can download a number of radio apps. The one that we use here is called Tune In. Of course, you download download the app it'll come up with hey do you want a free trial you just click the right the x in the in the top right hand corner you just say no don't want your free trial because then it's just free Wow. It's just free forever. So you'll have radio all over the world, wherever you may be. You can take Faith FM with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. You might be walking down the street, bam, Faith FM in your pocket. You might be driving your car, bam, Faith FM through the stereo. You might be not at an airplane because you won't have single signal. But anywhere where you have cellular (laughs) signal, you will have Faith FM. Darren, what are you grateful for this morning? I'm grateful for an awesome weekend I had. so good. I actually did a wedding down... Down at Nora Head on the foreshore, they're right near the lighthouse. The sun was shining. There was a light breeze. The bride was stunning, as was the groom. And um, yeah, I did a wedding, so that was an awesome weekend. Oh, I'm grateful for man, weddings. What a gun! Yeah, that's so good. Of course, we have some amazing things coming up in our show. Um, yeah, we're going to be you know sharing some new stories about locked cars. Um, Mon, we have a huge interview from Mon. Oh um, yes, with a guy awesome. From, the guy from Tom named Africa. We're going to be continuing to study through the Those beasts. beasts. We're looking at beasts. The beasts of Revelation. Yep. But all that coming up right after this.
Welcome back. That was Caleb and Kelsey with 10,000 Reasons slash or and. Um, what a beautiful name. That was awesome combination, <laughs> but two good songs. Yeah, two good songs, good mashup, good singers. Oh, man, it was, it, was, it was a banger. Of course, we're coming into our current affairs segment. But before we do, Darren... Give us the first clue. Oh, the quiz. The, quiz. the yes. quiz. I love the quiz. When I'm normally driving to work, I'm trying to guess who it is. So <laughs> now I can. Now I'm the quiz master. Here oh, we go. Here we go. Who am I? Number one. Um, the Lord commanded me not to weep when my wife died. The Lord commanded me not to weep. When my wife died, do you know who that is? Russ, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it one more clue, okay, just to really get it down. But if you out there know it, give us a call. Yeah, give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and you will get a free prize. If you know who this guy was, who got you know stitched up, um, pretty rough gig. But if you know who this guy is, yeah, give us a call. You will get a prize. Okay, so a current affairs. I think it would be a remiss for us. Um, not to talk about the biggest headline this morning. Overnight, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the biggest <clears> thing <throat> is, is, you know, you would have heard it in our news segment um, that was that was just played. Um, the Ethiopian Airlines, um, yeah, e- flight ET302 crash. Um, just an absolutely tragic event. You said no survivors this stage? Yeah, um, so there was 157 people on board. Um, and all of which which died. Yeah, um, just, yeah, really tragic flight. Of course, um, it was going from Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia, flying to, to Nairobi in Kenya. Um, and, yeah, six minutes into the flight, uh, they started to, to have some some troubles with the plane. Um, they, were, they started to get unstable. Apparently, yeah, the, the vertical takeoff... Maneuver thingo, yeah, just it started to get the plane started to get unstable. Um, and they actually made the the captain made the uh the announcement over the radio, like, hey, we're we're unstable, there's something wrong here. And he was actually given clearance to turn back. Um, but as soon as they tried to make any effort to turn back, it just the plane crashed. Um, of course, it was a terrible, fiery wreck. Um, yeah, all the passengers on board have passed away. And I think the interesting thing about this is that, you know, a, a Boeing 737, this is one of the um, most popular planes in the world. Um, not only that, it, it, yeah, it's the single most used plane in the world and has the highest safety rating. Not only that, but this was a plane that was bought by Ethiopian Airlines Um in November last year, this that's, is a brand, brand new plane. Mm. Um, you know, the traffic controllers are saying um, that Ethiopian Airlines is. You know, I, I think anyone would be s- sort of skeptical of an airline coming from a third world country. You know, you could make that that case of like, oh, how good was the airline? This is, you know, people are saying that, yeah, this is by far one of the best airlines out of Africa, if not the developing world. Um, yeah, really good airline. Um, the pilot had a spotless record. And yeah, so I just think this is a really 
tragic, tragic event, you know, where something something has gone wrong that, that no one could have foreseen, um, no one could have done anything about, and it's mm, just, mm. it's ended up in a tragic accident. Thoughts with the hundreds of people whose lives been affected, or those who mm. lost family members, um, yeah, it's just tragic when these sorts of things occur. Yeah, of course, um, I was I was reading through to see hey were any Australians on this flight because I'm I'm actually heading over to Ethiopia yep. um, in a, in a in a couple of days on Thursday I fly off and I'll be flying Ethiopian Airways from um, from Singapore to Addis Ababa um, but yeah um, uh, according to to what they know there there were no Australians. On the on the plane, um, the yeah, mostly Kenyans, Canadians, um, Americans, and uh, some Sudanese guys. So of course there were other nations represented there. But yeah, just really tragic accident. And I think it just really harkens to. Um, man, this is the first time, not the first time, but this is the only period in history up to this point in which this can be possible. Mm, um, mm, air mm. travel and these tragedies. And I think it just just comes right back to, you know, Daniel 12, um, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, you know, people run to and throw. Um, and, but just, yeah, the, the signs that are happening and just, it's just a really tragic thing. I'm, I'm like, I don't really yeah. know how to respond. It's like, I guess life just goes on as yeah. usual, but it is... Yeah, I'll say bring on the second coming. Bring yeah, on the bring second on coming, the second <laughs> coming. Man. Well, yeah. we won't need any seven three sevens. No, we'll just, that's right. The power of God. Okay, so Darren, yeah, I've had a news story that um, I've been watching for the last week. I don't mm. think you've been watching it all, but over in Perth, mm. um, at a shopping centre, a whole lot of cars have been locked out by um, something. That's all those cars that use remote keys, yes, which are yes, awesome yes. things to have. Yeah, um, when they work. Mm. But apparently something over there at the Perth car park at Joondalup um, in the past week, the hun- over 100 drivers have had their cars locked and they can't open them. Oh, man. S- stitch up. That's, Imagine going shopping and you can never leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, this is just what Coles and Woolies want. They're, yeah. like, <laughs> they're like stoked. They're like, yep. <laughs> anyway, they spent the last week working on this mystery. Mm-hmm. And yesterday they isolated it to a chemist that was, you know how you use those buzzers when you get your script sorted, they give you a buzzer to um to hold for your script to be prepared? Yes, and yes, yes. Yeah, well, um, this chemist had those buzzers and they think that that system mm. is key to the same system as what our wireless car entries are key to mm-hmm. and it was interfering and causing all these cars to be locked. Man, that's rough as. Oh, man, that's... But that's pretty funny. I like that it's just, you know, it's not some some sinister thing. It's just like, oh, yeah, our buzzer system for the chemists that we use to get people their medications and whatnot. Oh, yeah, that just ruined all these, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of cars. Yep. That's pretty... <laughs> Technology at its, um, at its worst, I guess. At, at its worst. Because <laughs> i got to say, like, oh, at the moment, I'm driving a, a car that's... It's got, um, it's got central locking, but not with a button. I have to turn the key, and that's because you know I'm doing the living the classic you know church worker Bible worker life, and uh, this is a car that's not my own. It was uh, given to me by the yep. church, um, and it's an awesome car. I love it, but it's like 
but yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I guess I uh, don't have to go through that, those struggles. I can just, you know, I turn the key, I put the key in, I turn it, and my car's open. Yeah, well, yeah. back when I was at college, um, I had a car, a good old mustard coloured Centura, Chrysler Centura was my oh, car. Oh, man. Um, it, it, it would go Chrys- like a rocket. Man, Chrysler's um, in Australia, that's, that's a thing. worth back. a fortune today if I still yeah. had it. But anyway, um, the key system collapsed. Ooh. And so my wife's grandfather actually wired in a doorbell, so instead of having a key, you press the doorbell and the car would start oh man this is <laughs> wait this is like the original push button like yeah, car right yeah, here this back is, in this is back in the ooh, early oh. 90s and yeah it was awesome i was starting a jet plane or something you'd press the button and then off she'll go so like press the <laughs> oh man that is but so back cool. then people had the know-how and these days you can't touch cars normally but back then this, yeah. this grandpa lisa's grandpa had the know-how to wire in a doorbell to the key system oh, to man, start it that is so. that is that is awesome i yeah that is it is true though like cars today um of course these problems would be coming from and i, I know this personally having worked on cars myself is that yeah cars you know from the the 90s and the 80s and the further you go back the i guess the more simplistic the cars are therefore the easier they are to work on you know? yeah a few tools in the back a hammer if you needed it and um a couple other things and you, you know, could get the car from a to b yeah a couple spanners <laughs> and whatnot you know now it's um you know with the the introduction of uh yeah just the the full electronic systems in cars you know you think man nearly everything is regulated by by electronics i i I had a Ute. It was a 2004 model Ute, and yeah, one of the the, the fuse for the 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 isolator, like the thing yep. that wouldn't make it start, um, went, and my car wouldn't start. Like it's like the tiniest little thing goes, and it's just like it's just done. But yeah, shout out, shout out your wife's your wife's um, grandfather. grandfather for <laughs> man, that's awesome. That is so so. My car car, my BW, is currently in the in the mechanics because the sensors have all gone wrong. Yeah, it's true. mechanically as Fine, yeah. but they can't sort these sensors out, and yeah. the mechanics baffled as to what's going on with his Volkswagen. So I'm I'm praying that he nuts it out for me. Oh man, one of my one of my really close friends, he's a mechanic, and he's like Volkswagens, bro. It's like the worst thing to work on. <laughs> tell, anyway, you tell me now. This is Fernando Ortega with "Open My Lips." Open my lips. I will see.
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon, or in this case, Lyle and Lawson, while I am here in Kenya working on the mission trip here with Kenya Health, having an amazing time. I hope you've been enjoying the stories, the interviews, the monrogs that have been coming uh, through to you over there in Australia. This morning I have a special guest that we're going to be interviewing. If you're wondering what all the background noise is, is because we are at a live health clinic happening right behind us. We're just sort of in like a little makeshift back room. It's not even a proper door on this room. It's just a metal frame so you can actually hear almost everything. But I hope you enjoy the background noise. It's a bit of a from the Echo. Uh, this morning, our special guest is none other than. Are you a pastor? Or just a I'm an elder of the church. I'm an elder. An el- elder Tom. What's your surname, Tom? I don't know your surname. The Tom Akech. That's my name. Tom Akech. Yeah. Okay, I love all the Kenyan names over here. They're so <laughs> melodic. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Elder Tom. Uh, Tom, you've been coming along to pretty much every clinic. So yes. every day we've been having a different clinic in a different location. And you've been along for all of them, helping us out, mainly with uh, registration, blood pressure, um, blood weight. Sugar, blood sugar testing, uh, HIV testing at the same time. Yes, because that's actually a special field of yours, which we are going to talk about. Tom, what is this I hear about you being related to Barack Obama? Uh, Obama is uh, coming from our tribe Luo. I'm also a Luo, so that's why we are coming related with uh, Barack Obama, the president, the former president of America. So you guys come from the same tribe? Because someone told me he was your cousin. Yeah, as, as Luo's, we are related in a, one way because where he, his native land is where I'm coming from. Wow, that's amazing. I'm literally talking to Barack's cousin right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. So let's take it back to maybe how you became a Christian, first of all, because you are heavily involved with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But how did you first come to be a Seventh-day Adventist? My background is uh, being Adventist. I was born Seventh-day Adventist uh, person. My parents have been Adventist and we are still Adventists and we are continuing to serve the Lord. Amen. I love hearing that version of the story. It's one of my favorites when I hear about entire families and generations that have been walking with the Lord and what they're doing now for the Lord. Did you always walk with the Lord? Like At some point you would have had to make the decision for yourself. I love how people say they were born into the church, but at some point they have to make a conscious decision for Jesus. So how old were you when you did that? Uh, for now I've been uh, over 30 years in the Seventh-day Adventist, actively involved in serving the Lord in different uh, sectors of the church. Being a church elder, I've been in the choir director, I've been in youth ministry, I've been serving in the Sabbath school programs in different fields. At the same time, now I'm serving in the health department at the conference level of the church. I have to admit, you are one of the most active, uh, actively involved Kenyans I've met so far. Every time someone tells me about you, they tell me a different role that you're doing, and I'm like, what is this guy, some sort of multifaceted genius? But yeah, t- you are actually, what are you, like you help, you're the health director or something right now? Yes, I'm a health director at the Central Rift Valley Conference in uh, Nakuru, Kenya, and at the same time, I'm working for people with special needs, the blind, the deaf, the albinos, all these kind of people who have got challenges, disabled people, these people I'm all also involved in working for them so that they can be able to know Jesus Christ is coming soon and uh, also in the health department we are also ministering to them Lord as it was before. So how is it that you work with these disabled people? Like, I know that in Australia we often have camps, like summer camps for people with special needs. So what do they do here? What does the church in Kenya do for people with special needs? Yeah, we have uh, people with special needs, especially the deaf people, the blind 
people, the disabled people, the albinos, we bring them together uh, during the camp meetings in the month of August. We share with them uh, the word of God together. We have the interpreters for them, for the especially for the deaf and uh, the blind. Also, we source for materials like the braille materials, like uh, the hearing aids, all these kind of things, so that they can be able to be in uh, power and everybody as they prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And do you find it's effective that when you minister to the the, the needs of these special needs people, do they do they start to get a picture of who Jesus is? Does it actually change their life? Yes, it's really, they are very happy whenever we have a program with them and they are really eyeing for, to, to, to wait for, wait as they wait for the second coming of Jesus Christ and they are seeing as if they are, they have been left behind for a long time, especially the deaf people. They find that they have not been following the word of God clearly, but for now they are very happy and we have over 300 uh, deaf people in our church now and we have uh, almost in every church we have interpreters who are now qualified as interpreters interpreting for them the word of God. Wow and is that something that you personally been working on these interpreters? Yes. Yeah that's what uh, I myself am an interpreter my wife is also an interpreter so we are working uh, hand in hand as we go ministering for people in uh, in special camp like this one we are now doing here whenever we find a deaf person coming in I also be able to interpret even for the doctors so that they can be able to see the word of God going t- together with the medication at the same time. Praise the Lord, that's so heartwarming. Tell me, like, outside of church um, church charities, do special needs people in Kenya have much support, like from the government, from their families, or do they kind of get left behind in society as well? Yeah, in Kenya here, the, the disabled people find themselves, they had been left behind for a very, very long time, like, but now we find the government has come in strongly and advocating for the people with special needs uh, programs when Whenever we have a program with them, they are very, very much concerned, especially the government. We have a special funding, we have a special docket and a department for the people with special needs. And at the same time, we as a church, we all not only look for the Adventist disabled people, but we also work around the community so that we can be able to bring everybody because it's about total member involvement. So everybody is being involved, even the deaf people. We tell them after they have received the word of God, we tell them go and look for their the deaf people and the, the blind at the same time, the disabled people, the albinos at the same time. For for the albinos we find that their skin is very tender and we have to look for a way that we can be able to get a lotion for them because of the sun rays. At the same time we appreciate the assistance from Kenya Health. They do come with the dark glasses for sunglasses because of the albinos they have a high uh, eyesight problem. So we really appreciate the assistance of Kenya Health. Oh, amen. But let, let's talk about your, your involvement Involvement with Kenya Health. Now you're the, like you said, you're the health director for the Great Rift Valley Conference, yes. and um, and Kenya Health comes about one two times a year, and uh, and the two of you collaborate. So, what is your role in that whole collaboration? My role as a health director in the conference, Central Rift Valley Conference, my work is to coordinate the programs in different churches in different areas. I work to make sure that the programs is running hand in hand with the government because the government of Kenya is the manning authority so that whenever we do our programs, I coordinate, I get authority from the Minister of Health, that is our government, and also mobilize our Adventist professionals which are working in the government.
government, some are working in private sectors, some are working with NGOs, so that we can bring our heads together, all of us, so that when the Kenya Health comes once in a while, we also team up with them, with the Ministry of Health at the same time, government provides us with the kits, government provides with the gadgets, and sometimes with the medication, so that we can be able to work as a team, as we work hand in hand. So that's my role, actually, to coordinate the programs that are working within uh, the Ministry of Health. It must be a hard job. I'm sure there's lots of emails and paperwork and paper trails and oh, I think you must be buried under paperwork. But there has been a recent change with the Kenyan government, right, in terms of charities coming to Kenya and helping out here. They've cracked down on it and um, and I think it, I think one of our team leaders, Judy, was telling me that nowadays if any sort of charity wants to come to Kenya and, and work here, they have to be under some sort of government umbrella. Is that correct? Yeah, that's straight. That, that's true because there have been so many programs coming up with different organizations coming up and uh, there are some people who are coming as uh, medical missionaries at the same time they are not all that qualified so for us in Kenya we have to team up and we have to bring our people together because those uh, people coming from outside our country they may not be able to know exactly the kind of uh, elements that is ailing our people so when we come together with them we can be able to share the word of God together at the same time we can be able to know this is the bright medication so that we can be able to give to our clients because those people are coming from like a Kenya health people, they may not be able to know exactly what kind of uh, diseases here is rampant especially where we are here in Matarmat. Matarmat is a place where there are a lot of malaria, there's a lot of other complications so that's why we are teaming up together. Well, you've made me really nervous now because I've had to stop taking my malaria pills because I had allergic reaction. But thanks for letting me know we're in a malaria-stricken region, Tom. Great. <laughs> um, but, Tom, you are a, a nurse as well, aren't you? So you, you do all these things within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but you're also a qualified nurse. And I think you have a particular interest in, is it blood sugar and diabetes or something? I'm uh, actually a lab technologist. I'm a lab technologist. That's why I'm much interested in uh, knowing the status of our members, especially on HIV in uh, programs uh, pertaining to blood sugar, knowing about malaria. So I'm really concerned about knowing what is uh, happening so that when our doctors, our nurses can be able to dispense, they can be able to dispense the right kind of medication to our clients. Yeah. Oh, nice. And, uh, and tell me, you've been doing this for a few years now, right? Yeah. I've been doing this for over seven years now in the church, but most of uh, before I was working on a private sector. So when I came into the church, the church uh, saw that I'm, invo- I'm getting involved in the community work. Uh, they told me to come and work for the Seventh-day Adventists now. That's why I'm now working for the church at the conference level. Very happy. And you must you must just have the most heartwarming stories to tell, just seeing the effects of your work out in the field. Do you have any sort of you know standout moments, memories of people that you've helped that have come to Jesus that you could share with us? Uh, especially in those people who are uh, living with the virus, HIV virus, have a living testimony. Some were almost going to the grave, but I am happy that today we can be able to say that they have, we have seen the hand of God. Many people are now walking they are smiling, they are continuing with their lives and they are doing a lot of activities and they are normal, they are living a normal health and their children are going to school, we source for them we partner with different organizations at the same time we source for them to get for them, we have food programs we have clothing programs we have footwear programs, 
so that we can be able to provide for them. So this is a kind of a living testimony that I can be able to share with many people. And uh, I've, uh, I'm actually very happy because uh, some people who have been uh, the, to go to the grave after uh, 10 years back, 10, 20 years back, but now they are still alive and they are continuing and praising Lord and they are very healthy and they are good uh, in uh, their health programs. Oh, amen. That's so amazing to hear. I have, I have to ask, when people in Western countries think of um, HIV and AIDS, they think of it almost synonymous with Africa, especially you know, in the 80s, there's lots of you know, big charities and charity events and concerts, people raising money for you know, the AIDS crisis in Africa. And just recently, we've started hearing that it's not as much of a problem anymore and it's been, you know, it's been alleviated. Is this all true? Like, what is the current status of HIV AIDS, particularly in Kenya? Yes, with HIV, the pandemic is still high, but because of uh, this element we call stigma and discrimination, people are still being stigmatized and people are being discriminated. But we are working in a very organized way so that we can be able to bring people to understand the HIV. Uh, once before those uh, long time ago, people were very scared about the virus, but today people coming to understand that uh, HIV is just a normal condition, like somebody you can be able to have blood pressure, somebody can be having diabetic so that you can be able to manage it well. But uh, actually is a very complicated uh, program, uh, disease that people are shying away from. And uh, out of that, uh, because of poverty here in Kenya, there's a lot of poverty. That's why you find people, whenever they have got uh, this kind of uh, the, the HIV infection, they, they, they find it difficult even to take medication because how can you be able to take medication on an empty stomach? So poverty is still high in our country and people are eyeing to have. That's why you find many NGOs coming, partners coming from outside the world so that we can be able to work together, so that we can be able to alleviate this kind of uh, poverty. So along with the HIV and AIDS epidemic, what other um, uh, medical issues are the people that you've been working with facing? Because I mean, we, we, today we're going to probably see uh, several hundred patients coming into the clinic that we're at right now. What is, do you reckon, the most prevalent um, condition that they're dealing with? We are dealing with, actually, the program that we are now facing is non-communicable diseases. Non-communicable diseases like blood pressure. Blood pressure is now coming a problem in our country, Kenya. People are the lifestyle, the lifestyle, we used to have our own lifestyle, but because of the kind of information people are now getting, they are going for junky foods, that's a takeaway. So that, that's a problem that is in our country now. We have a problem of diabetes, I've said, we have a problem of blood pressure, we have a problem of arthritis. These are just because of the lifestyle that our country, our people are adapting to. So are you finding that you're having to uh, educate the patients that come? Is that the, one of the key things that you're, you're doing for them to alleviate the, these sort of lifestyle diseases? Yeah, as we do medication like here where, where, we, are, where we are in Matarma doing the medical outreach with the Kenya Health, after medication, it's not about medication, it's not about giving them medicine. We have a session for them to counsel them on nutrition so that whenever they take a medication, they can be able to go on nutrition. 
nutrition uh, so that they can be able to know the kind of uh, uh, food that they are supposed to eat. It's not about drinking soda, it's not about drinking all this kind of uh, uh, quench and whatever. We tell them the kind of food that they can be able to adhere to. That's the way we also we, had, uh, we do our programs. It's not about outreaches only on medication and giving them a testing and whatever. We also bring them together so that we can be able to teach them on the nutrition, on lifestyle. I have to admit, um, Tom, I've seen, you know, sometimes in the restaurants that I've been to in Kenya, there's been a TV in the corner and, uh, and I've just been watching a bit of Kenyan TV and the way that they portray the country makes it seem like, you know, it's a first world country and you know, it's a bit like Australia. Um, and I realized, you know, there's a discrepancy between how it is and how it's being depicted on TV. But the thing that really concerned me was the fact that Kenyans are being advertised to the same way any first world country would be being advertised to so they're being pushed um, you know with all kinds of junk food uh, soft drinks and alcohol these kind of you know slick modern fancy looking advertisements and I couldn't help thinking you know this isn't fair like these people don't have enough money to, to be buying this kind of stuff and when they get sick from it which they inevitably will they don't have the means to to get medical aid to, to even educate themselves to get away from this kind of stuff do you find that since I guess the digital age, since the internet has come in, because I see so many Kenyans with phones now, you know, they're accessing the internet, they're watching lots more TV. Do you, do you think that since we've had this digital age, that the health problems of Kenya have changed and also inflated? Yes, because of the the, com, the coming up of internet programs and this kind of advertisement that are being aired in the television, some are in the newspapers, you find people are really much, they, they, they are getting more and more information. And that's why you find uh, our people are now suffering. Some are becoming obesity, some are having a lot of complications. Even when we go for prescription, doctors will be able to struggle giving a different kind of antibiotics to our, our, our patients, but this we may not be able to work because of the complications that in our body people are getting a different kind of foods, alcohol, people are smoking because of the kind of ad adverts that are within the media. Yeah, I do think it's interesting that although there's lots of international um, charities and ministries that come here to help, there's also a lot of international businesses that come here to advertise and to make money, which I, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about that, but we, we are running out of time, so I do want to say thank you so much, Tom, for letting me drag you in the room here and, uh, and give me a little bit of your time, and I, I better let you get back to your patients, and I know you're going to be testing some blood sugars and so forth, so thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much, and may God bless you as you serve the community there in Australia. Australia in our country, Kenya, and we wish you get time once again you come back again and we'll be able to share the word of God in far, far many countries of our country because people are really in need of your services and we really thank God for this. Amen. And in fact, if any of our listeners would love to come to Kenya and do the same mission trip that I've done, they do go twice a year and you can come along, you can join the Kenya Health Team, you can meet Tom for yourself because he'll be here every single clinic. Um, just go to the website it's kenyahealth.org uh, you can also just donate if you don't have, the, don't have the time to come to Kenya but there's also a tab there called volunteer and if you click on that you'll get all the information you like. Tom we are going to have to leave it there for just a quick song break and we'll be right back after this song with part two because there is so many more things that you still do in ministry Awake Awake Oh captive daughter 
Put on your garments of splendor Free yourself from the chains around your neck Shake off your dust, clothe yourself in strength Arise, arise, O glorious sun And walk no more in the shadow The Lord, your maker, has called you by name Lift up your head, clothe yourself in strength Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to part two of our interview with Tom. We are now changed locations, would you believe? We're at a different clinic. We are about as far out as I've been. Uh, we're in the, where are you, what's this place called? This place is called Tuyo Teach in the side of Rongai constituency. And that's in the Rift Valley province, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's the Rift Valley conference, yes. So we're actually in your territory because you work for the Rift Valley conference, don't you? Yes. Yeah, this is still within our territory at Central Rift Valley conference. Now, the reason we've had to do part two with you, Tom, is because there's still three things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about your prison ministry. I want to talk to you about the orphanage you're setting up. Yes. And I want to talk to you about the fact that you too do ministry in media, just like me. Do you work in radio or television? What is it you do in media? Uh, actually, I'm not doing in media as such, but we are working with the Ministry of uh, Communication in the conference. There's somebody who is heading the Department of Communication so that we can be able to air activities that we are doing within the community here. So when you say air, what does it air via? We are airing the activities that are being done within the say, the conference and within the stations and within the churches so that the community can be, can be able to know exactly what the conference is undertaking. So on TV or on radio? We are not doing it on, on radio because we don't have a radio station now or even a TV station we don't have. But we have a, 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 a one called Hope Channel that is in Kenya. So we are airing our activities through the internet. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So Hope Channel Kenya. We have Hope Channel Australia. Yeah, so yeah. Hope, Hope Channel Kenya, we also have one. So that the activities that we are doing, we are also channeling to Hope Channel Kenya. So does that mean people in Kenya can watch online and they, is it, is it like they get an update of what's been happening or they can see what's coming up and so they can come and attend? Yes, that's what we, we actually do. We do the activities on the ground then at the end of the day we just channel to the Hope Channel Kenya so that we can be able to see activities that they have been doing within the community. Oh, that's amazing. It boggles my mind to think that out here in Kenya, so far away and, and so third world, that you guys have a TV station flourishing. It's just amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Um, I do want to ask you about the prison ministry because I've heard this is something that's close to your heart. It's a passion that you have. Um, t- t- I guess tell us everything about your prison ministry. We Well, I want to thank God for this Department of Health and uh, I've also channeled my activities to the prison ministry. When my first time I went 
went to the prison, I found the situation there was not very good. And I just pray, God, what kind of mission can I be able to do in the prison ministry? What touched me most is those people who are living with the virus, HIV virus. Because in the prison ministry, there's no specific diet for these people. They just eat the normal food other people are doing are eating. So what touched me is how can we be able to add value to their diet? So when I talked to the prison commander in the in the prison, I said to him, can you give to give me a day so that I can be able to come with uh, fruits, can I be able to come with chapati, can I be able to come all with, with these things so that I can be able to add to their diet. So prison commander said, well, it is fine if you can be able to afford that. So I source money from my own sources and then get some somebody who can be able to support me. I go to the prison with chapati, with uh, all these kind of grains so that I can be able to have milk, to have uh, bananas, oranges so that I can be able to give them diet. So that's what I usually do every Wednesday. I go to the prison and cook for them, give them, and at the end of the day, I give them Jesus Christ. That's what I usually do in the prison ministry. It's really taxing, but uh, I've just volunteered to do that because I want to add value unto their diet. Well, that, that's incredible, but just to explain for the, the Australians, chapati, which has become one of my favorite things to eat in Kenya, it's kind of like a savory pancake, isn't yes, it? Like, yes. a, like a flatbread almost, and it, what's it made from? They are made from uh, wheat flour. We are mu- using chapati uh, the, like a pancake. We use uh, wheat flour. Then we mix with water, we mix with the uh, eggs, so that that we can be able to bring something worth for them to uh, value or add value to their diet. So when you say add value, like fruit and chapati, it seems kind of basic to us. Does this mean that what they're eating in the prison, like, like what is an average prison diet then? The average prison diet is about the 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 the, 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 uh, the cabbage, the cabbage and uh, the, 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 the the ugali uh, is a, a something made from the flour. So and it is not good for for them actually but we that's why i took the initiative of uh, taking milk there taking uh, other kind of foodstuffs so that they can be able to add it to their diet because taking drugs on ARVs on an empty stomach is something not good for them so you may find that stigma is rampant in this prison and sometimes this discrimination and somebody will just die because of the kind of diet which is in the prison that's terrible now I have heard about the infamous Ugali. <laughs> I haven't actually tried it yet because our team leaders, Ivan and Judy, who have been to Kenya many times, don't like it. And so they say to the locals when, it, when they cook us lunch, don't make Ugali. So I haven't actually had the opportunity to taste it. But I have heard it's a bit like mashed potato, but it's not made from potato. What's it made from? They're made from uh, maize, maize, maize cobs. That uh, uh, in Australia, I don't know how you may use uh, you may use it but in here in Kenya we use maize and then we uh, grind it and then we get the flour out of maize then we can be able to make ugali, make that ugali food start food stuff out of that uh, uh, flour so it's corn right corn yes, maize corn, yes. yes and I've heard it's absolutely tasteless and I think probably the closest thing we have in Australia to I have seen maize for sale in specialty shops but I've never purchased it but I think the closest thing taste wise is probably like semolina or polenta or something like that um but maize and cabbage, ugali and cabbage is an extremely bare diet and that would do people suffer from malnutrition in prisons 
very much very much people suffer from malnutrition there because they are being overloaded with a lot of work in the prison they are so they are uh, no nobody can be able to care for them so that's why i took the initiative so malnutrition in prison is terrible i hope be, before we shall be able to leave uh, our clinics you shall be able to go with with you at the prison and you'll be able to see by yourself the kind of food that they are eating there is terrible yeah i'm actually really looking forward to that so at the end of this week we have a clinic um at a prison we'll be uh ministering to and servicing the the prison inmates um and you mentioned something there before which caught my radar tom you said that this prison ministry you do you're financing the whole thing yourself yes i finance for myself because uh, i've just volunteered i'm still negotiating with people who can be able to understand what i'm doing to the prison because people there they have that in uh, that mentality that those people are culprits those people are bad people they need not to be sympathized with but my myself i found no they are also human beings they are going there so that they can be able to change their character so when i went there for the first time i found no i must do something for these people when they come out they will be able to mingle with people at the same time so I just saw this from my own pockets and my family so that we go and team up with other people and in the prison we cook together, we share the word of God together and at the end of the day some people are volunteering to be baptized and to receive Jesus as their personal saviour. Amen. But let me just backtrack. You are married with four kids, you said? I've got two. Two kids, two kids. Yeah. And every week yes. you purchase food and feed a prison. How many people are at these at these prison lunches that you do? Like how many people come and eat the food? I cannot be able to say how many, but what, I, what, I, what I'm concentrating on is the support group members that are in the prison, those people who are living with the virus. So I'm, I've got a group of people, those are, that's a support group that, that I'm saying, a support group of only 100 people. So that's the, the number I'm feeding at the prison. So when I go there, I go to the market, purchase the enough food and then I go to the prison, we cook together with them so that the people who are assisting me, in, because in prison you cannot be allowed to bring uh, already cooked food so I just cook uh, there at the prison, together with them we share with them, at the end of the day we share the word of God and then we prepare for the next time for baptism That's incredible, so you're not only feeding them and teach them about Jesus, you're actually teaching them a new skill and how to cook healthful food. Tom, that's it's just so generous of you and, and it's such a self sacrifice to run a ministry out of your pocket and um, I guess I just want to do you a favor and say that if any of our Aussies are listening to this right now you can head to kenyahealth.org click on donate if you'd like to donate some money to Tom's ministry you can put a note um, for the particular project you'd like to donate to and just put Tom's prison ministry and that money will come straight to Tom and help him out when he does every every week every Wednesday you said yes. every Wednesday when he goes to the prisons and ministers to the sick in the prison uh, Tom uh, that's, it's really heartbreaking uh, to hear that but I also still want to hear about the orphanage you're setting up you really do have a lot of stuff going on but it really just speaks of the need that is here in Kenya so tell us about this orphanage I'm uh, of the opinion to set up uh, an orphanage because of people who have uh, left their children uh, orphans now because they died long time ago because of the virus. Some have got, uh, died because of other kind of elements. But uh, I found these children, nobody cares for them. So when I took up the ministry at the conference level, I found myself as if these are burden, these are critical condition that I need to assist. So I'm now looking for a way so that I can be able to get a piece of land so that I can be able to have a 
of, 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 of uh, actually uh, have some kind of uh, funds that are put into the bank so that we can be able to uh, accumulate uh, some amount. At the end of the day, it will take me a long time, I know, because here in Kenya I cannot be able to source funds immediately because of the different activities that I'm, uh, I'm undertaking. But at the end of the day, I'm sure after five years or even four years to come or in three years to come, I'll be able to purchase a piece of land. Even if it's a small piece of land, I want to put up a small orphanage so that I can be able to bring all the orphans together. The street families, like in the month of March, I'm going to feed up the, the, the street families and I'm going to have a lunch for them. So that's the kind of activities that I do so that I can be able to bring people together and teach them how to take care of their body. So an orphanage will be a place where people can be able to come and have a shelter and have a place to call a home. Some are sleeping at the streets, but I'm looking forward to put up a structure for them. One time, I know God will be able to provide for me. So it actually sounds a bit more than an orphanage. It sounds almost like a community centre that provides shelter for all kinds of needy people. T- tell me, is... Is the orphan situation in Kenya as big as we think it is? Like, are there really that many orphans in this country? Yeah, there are actually many orphans in the country, Kenya, because most of our people have died because of poverty. Some have died because of ailments or some kind of diseases. Some have been died because of uh, HIV infections. So there are so many orphans who are uh, and so not only orphans as such, but there are also some people who are within the streets uh, of Nakuru that is in Kenya, so that we can be able to get them out of the street teach them good uh, characters so that they can be able to know who is Jesus Christ and how to take care about their body and how to be some people who can be able to manage themselves I do want to say something about the orphan orphanages at the moment Tom because I don't know if you've been hearing this but in the first world um, in countries like you know, Australia and America um, donating to orphanages and supporting orphanages has become it's just sort of fallen out of favour almost it's almost seen as being politically incorrect um, I guess because of orphanage tourism where people go to places like India and Africa and they want to tour an orphanage and uh, and just the way that it's been manipulated and set up and so it's, it's been frowned upon now almost. I actually had the opportunity to go to an orphanage yesterday and I just want to say stuff political correctness we need to keep supporting these ministries these charities because this orphanage we were at they had 200 orphans um in the last just in the last few years because of this this downturn in the fashion of giving to orphanages they've actually had to they've turned away about 200 orphans and they actually had to halve their numbers so they had to send away half of the orphans that they had um, because money is just drying up because people are no longer giving to orphanages um, which is a travesty because the Bible particularly says we we need to look after orphans and we need to look after widows um, so please if you're listening if you used to <laughs> used to donate to an orphanage and you thought, I'm not going to do it anymore. It seems to be wrought with political incorrectness. Just forget it. Just keep giving because the kids need it so much. It was really it was really heartbreaking to hear the stories yesterday. We spoke to the director there um, at the orphanage, in the East African Mission Orphanage, and he was just saying they used to have 400 and they had to they had to just find people to send these orphans out to. So, so I just want to encourage people to still remain generous. Just forget forget what the world is saying. Listen to the Bible. Read the Bible. Be encouraged um, in the charity work that, that Jesus instructed us to do and to keep, keep donating to these places. Tom, 
Because there are so many orphans in Africa and in Kenya, is this still a result of the of the HIV epide- epidemic of the of the AIDS crisis? Yeah, these are the, come as a result of HIV epidemic and some kind of uh, diseases that are now rampant within our country, especially on non-communicable diseases. Now is coming up very very fast because of the lifestyle that people are now engaged in. So that's why why you find people are so many in uh, terms of uh, orphans. Uh, being left alone in uh, our country, Kenya. Is there no way that maybe their extended families could look after them, or is poverty just so so intense that it's difficult for a family to take on another, like take on a cousin or a nephew or a niece? Yeah, it's actually because of the burden, the life burden here in Kenya. You may not be able to accommodate uh, some of the family members. Those, that's why fun people, most of people are going to the streets now. There are so many street families, so they're being left there like that. So because of uh, a poverty situation in our country, we cannot be able to support the extended families now. It's becoming a burden to us. Okay, and so you said this community center that you want to that you want to create, that you want to make a reality. You said it's more more than just for orphans. It's also for street Street families and street kids. What exactly is a street family? Uh, my my aim is just to look at the orphans that orphans that are not in within the street families. The, the street families I'm just going to do as a part time now on the activities so that they can be able to have a breakfast, they can be able to have lunch one time or even a meal once in a day. But for the orphans, I'm now going to put them in a, that one one area that they could be, could be they can be able to call a home. But for the street families, I can be able to just give them a breakfast, something to with the lunch once in a, in a while. It will not be. Con- but yeah, if it can be able to work for me well, then I can be able to give them uh, breakfast every now, every now and then. That's the activity that I'm now planning to under- undertake. So I guess in Australia we would call that a soup kitchen. Yeah. So, but when you say street family, do you literally mean an entire family that is living on the streets? Not really actually on the entire family because I, the, it will be the burden will be so great on on, on me. But I can be able to just to pick those people who can be able to come in, whether they are hundred in the morning for breakfast. That will be what I will be able to do. But I will be able to just to give them a place to get uh, a, a breakfast in the morning or even lunch during the lunch hour. They come or eat and then they go. But, but I don't be able to be permanent. So is homelessness a huge issue in Kenya as well? Because, I mean, I've seen a lot of people out on the streets, obviously, every day. Um, and I suppose because this is a third world country and people all sort of look, you know, a bit shabby and a bit homeless, it's difficult for me to determine which ones have homes to go back to and which ones are actually permanently living on the street. So is there a lot of homelessness in Kenya? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, family that are living in the streets in Kenya because of the kind of uh, situation we, we, we have. The, 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 the situation of having a place or a, 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 a home is very expensive now and to get a piece of land here in Kenya is very so that's why you find most of people reside in the streets. They can be able to live there, and then in the morning they can go to do other activities uh, in the in whatever they are doing in the course of the day. Yeah, sounds like Sydney too expensive to buy. <laughs> so uh, tell me, like, what is the average price for a piece of land in Kenya, like in shillings? Like, how much would that be? Like, you know, what are you looking at in terms of expense? Well, for a, a piece of land, a place we can be able to call 500 by 50, 50 by 100. 50 by 100 is almost 500,000. Half a, half a million. It's very expensive. Is that in meters? 
no in yeah in feet in feet in feet yeah so 50 by 100 that is uh, in terms it is costing 500000 very expensive nobody can be able to generate that kind of uh, amount if you are not working uh, in our country can oh that's incredible that's just uh, that's just heartbreaking to hear it's like a compounding issue there's so many different sides to the problem um tom we are going to have to leave it there thank you so much and thank you for coming back for part 2 i think we started part 1 in a back room in a kitchen in a church and now we're actually recording this interview in our van our van has become multi-purpose it's not only a mode of transport it's become a surgery it's become an interview room so <laughs> wonderful this it's been a blessing to have this van so thank you very much tom for joining us once again if you'd like to help out tom with any of his projects go to kenyahealth.org uh, click on the donate button and just nominate which project you'd like to support in the field down below you can say Tom's prison ministry or even Tom's orphanage whatever it is you'd like to support you can go to kenyahealth.org and do that there Hi I'm Delaine Hi I'm Sunny Hi I'm Dragon Hi I'm Nigel and we'd like to invite you to our church the, the Southern Illawarra Seventh Day Adventist Church. church We meet every Saturday morning at 10:30 a.m. to study the Bible followed by our main service at 11:30 a.m. You can find us at 107 to 109 Princess Highway Dapdo We are in the High Ninja Hall inside the Dapdo Ribbonwood Center For more information you can get in touch with us on Facebook Just search for Southern Illawarra Seventh Day Adventist Church Or contact us on 0402-716-762. We hope to see you soon and stay tuned to Face FM You're listening to Face FM Positively different radio